So let's talk about mind control, the ability to brainwash someone into following orders mindlessly. Characters from all sorts of shows and stories use this concept to accomplish various types of plots. This includes the likes of popular shows such as Stranger Things or the classical movie Conspiracy Theory. In Stranger Things, one of the main characters, Eleven, was born with a mental ability due to experimentations as a part of a mind control program by the CIA known as MKUltra. It's an amazing show that depicts the premise of this program, the type of substances they used, and most importantly, a destructive fictional outcome that resulted from the program. But what if something that was bound by fiction was actually attempted in real life to control human behavior through some very lousy science? This is the second episode in our series of Bad Signs, and today, we're going to talk about the CIA's MKUltra program. I'm Tanishwari Rajendran, and welcome back to On the Sidelines. Today, joining us on the sidelines to talk about MKUltra and mind control is Garrick, a PhD candidate in nuclear engineering and a science for everyone researcher. Thank you so much for coming on today, Garrick. Excited to be here. Let's just get into it. So when we hear about the MKUltra program and how it's referenced in like popular TV shows, such as like Stranger Things, um, the topic of mind control just comes up. So please tell us, like, what is the project about and like why the CIA actually made it? Because that sounds very weird, a mind control project by the CIA. Like, what was their goal? Yeah, so it does sound really weird, almost sort of like child, childlike a little bit, where it's like, I want to control people's minds, not really a science thing. Um, But it really came out of sort of thinking that uh, the Soviets or the Soviet Union at the time had had the capabilities of mind control. So really, it was motivated by this fear that the Soviet Union had access to such technology. So America had to look into it for themselves in order to still have a leg in the race of the Cold War, essentially. Yeah. And speaking about the Cold War, I feel like a lot of strange experiments and like bad science in general are a lot abundant in that era. Like mind control. That sounds very fictional. And to think like the Soviet has mind control and now the U.S. has to race for it. Like, yeah. And that's that's right. And sort of. This is where you get into the tailspin of why it was so bad is because of the motivation of fear and wanting to be better at any cost and have this technology at any cost. So they started looking into like all these chemical means and like different means of trying to manipulate the mind in in different ways. So Mm -hmm. a lot of this from the CIA was looking into the drug LSD primarily, but also covertly funding all of these research endeavors into what LSD can do Mm -hmm. under the guise of like foundations and they would give money to universities and, and research uh, centers to, to look into these things. So that, that was initially just to figure out what the LSD kind of did and they would administer it to patients at at medical centers and, so, oh, so they were doing this in like universities through researchers and like physicians. Is that 
kind of the idea? Yeah, so this actually this actually goes into sort of a crazy realm where in Canada is actually a very sort of infamous, I would say, set of experiments uh, by Dr. Ewan Cameron at McGill University. And so it was at the Allen Memorial uh, Psychiatric Treatment Facility. What he was looking into was curing sort of um, mental health issues, thinking that it was a learned behavior. So initially, his thought process was already, let's sort of destroy the mind by basically putting them in trance-like sleeps and administering sort of electroshock therapies, but not really therapies, but like invasive electroshock, and basically just destroying their mind. Like these people could barely walk after. That sounds absurd. Like, yeah, I, I can't even imagine how terrifying that must have like been like. Yeah. So these patients were were subjected to this for like you know over a month basically, and then. Once their mind was sort of de-patterned, as he coined it, he would repattern the brain in order to make them sort of believe a certain thing or achieve that mind control. So you see this sort of cross-patterning of mind control becoming more torture to get information rather than a mind control thing. It's more yeah. torture until they can't take it anymore. So that was sort of the Canadian. Yeah, that sounds like almost very torturous, like you said. And just the fact that it happened here in Canada, too, like the yeah. this program was so wide ranging. Yeah. And the, the craziest part of all of these tests, to me. <laughs> it's crazy as is. What can be crazier? But you're like, OK, maybe they maybe they got something out of it. Nothing. Just oh. literally no information because, I mean, it's mind control. It sounds crazy on the face of it, and it turns out they didn't get anything. They just achieved torturing people and, like, leaving patients with, like, all these long-lasting mental health and, like, health conditions, really. Yeah, and at the end of it, they're, the uh, leader of the program, Sidney Gottlieb, destroyed basically all the records they had these sort of pattern of events were pieced together after the fact based on purchasing records that have been declassified. So, and, and many Canadians who were involved in the McGill experiments uh, mm -hmm. sued the CIA and got some money out of it, but it, it's not going to repair the, the damage done, obviously. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, yeah, they destroyed all the evidence and rec records regarding it, but what happened to, like, the subjects in these experiments? Like, they had deteriorating, like, physical and mental health overall. Did they get, like, any sort of treatment after? Did anyone look into it to care for them? I think just after the fact, um, when they were suing the CIA, it wasn't really the responsibility technically of the government to settle out of court, but the lawyers argued that it was more of a moral responsibility to take care of these people. And, and so basically from what I gather is it's mainly the settlements of, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, but that doesn't really do much 
when your mind has been completely experimented on and broken down like that. And like getting into the bad science part of like, this is bad as it, but like the chemical and biological agents they use, you mentioned LSD was one of it. So how was LSD used and were there any other chemicals or biological agents? Yeah, so LSD was sort of the big one. And there's actually, I say crazy, but this is already so nuts. At the very beginning of the trials, what they wanted to do was administer these drugs secretly to people in order to see the effects and do secret missions with these, with LSD. And so at the beginning, they, they had a party with some scientists and they administered secretly LSD to their drinks. And one of the scientists involved in the actual program itself, his name is Frank Olson. He was drugged and became extremely depressed in the days following, uh, schizophrenic even, and 10 days later ended up committing suicide. That's horrendous to think about. Even this was at the beginning when they were trying it for the first time to unwitting participants and they still continued with the project, even knowing that. Yeah, there's not really like a scientific like guide to it even. There's no procedure, there's no ethics around it. Well, usually, yeah, with the ethics, it's even weirder because, you know, they had these guidelines based on the Nuremberg uh, Code where you can't have unwitting participants in, in trials. Like, you can't do that. And that was like a World War II thing. So this, you know, is decade or so later yeah so they they continued to do that regardless and you know reading about the canadian side of things is since the project itself went basically free form and didn't have to you know go to anybody for permission for anything they sort of had to make sure because of this kind of thing like you need structures in place to hold people accountable and have oversight and regulation or else this kind of stuff. Yeah. So MKUltra is a program where the CIA decided mind control was a good idea and was possible when in fact it wasn't and it ended horrendously. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And <laughs> actually just to add to that, it just sort of had spinoffs of, you know, interrogation techniques after the fact where they created a, a manual of interrogation techniques which they then used at places like guantanamo bay and and things like that so it although it hasn't been searched since it's had an impact down the road even to more recent times in terms of Torture methods, yeah. So basically, they were just using the guise of like mind control as like, what are the ways can we torture people for information? Basically, from the sounds yeah. of it, that's that's basically, I guess, what sort of spun out of it. Since mind control is sort of a pipe dream, so to speak. Was there any like af aftermath that came out of this program that made governments or like the CIA go like, okay, this is never going to repeat ever again. We're putting in this guidelines based off of this program. I think 
maybe not guidelines per se, but more oversight because they did have like a huge Senate hearing, I think in the late seventies. So like far after it was done where everything was declassified and they got to look at it and ask questions of the people involved. So I think it really opened up to what was going on to the, the public. So once the public gets hold of that, it means, you know, government's going to actually do something about it and put regulation in place and basically enforce more oversight. Thank you so much for joining us today, Garrick. And thank you again for tuning in. And remember to subscribe for more conversations and some insightful answers to your questions about the signs impacting your world. If you want to learn more about mind control, bad science, or any of the other topics we talked about on this show, visit us on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok at Sci for Everyone, and on our website at www.scienceforeveryone.ca. On the Sidelines is a podcast by Science for Everyone. It's produced by Sam Marchetti, Connor McLean, June Kim, Taneshwari Rajendran, and Cheryl Nguyen. On the Sidelines is sponsored by the University of Toronto's Student Engagement Grant.